District of Conservation is sponsored by the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow. CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to cfact.org. Thank you so much for listening to the program. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Welcome to the first episode of 2024. I hope you had a wonderful, relaxing holiday season with friends and loved ones. We're going to kick things off in high gear today. I have an exclusive interview that you won't hear elsewhere talking about a groundbreaking subject. The likely next national monument designation you will see from the Biden administration that hasn't really gained traction nationally, but it has been discussed across New Mexico. I found out more about this when I gave a keynote address in New Mexico last month, and I figured it would be imperative upon me and the show to bring this issue to light more and really highlight this issue more in terms of reforming the Antiquities Act, which is the law that is used to, or rather misused in in many cases such as this that we're going to talk about today with our guests. This fits in perfectly with the new year because one of my resolutions personally speaking, and for the show, is to see some reform on the Antiquities Act to clarify presidential powers, to make sure that this law is not abused to essentially conduct land grabs, to still allow for multiple uses. And we saw some action taken in the form of amicus briefs from the Western Caucus a little before the holidays, and that issue isn't going away. So today we have Representative Jennifer Jones from the New Mexico legislature and Lori Coleman, one of the landowners, or rather mining company owners, who would be adversely affected by what would be a likely Mimbris Peaks National Monument designation. This would be 245,000 acres in largely mountainous terrain in Luna County, New Mexico. What Lori and Jennifer are concerned about is that this national monument in particular, would be very similar to some nearby designations. It would lead to a loss of access. It would not only economically displace people by putting, let's say, grazers and miners and others out of business, it also, according to Representative Jones, would even affect recreationists, hunters and anglers, especially backcountry hunters who want access to pursue IBEX. 
the ladies will talk about some really nefarious things going on in terms of pressure from outside forces coming into Luna County in the affected regions or the would-be affected regions, how the Democratic congressional delegation is trying to say that locals who have concerns are misinformed, and that should be newsworthy, and we should see more publications covering this. My Friday town hall column will do a deep dive into this issue stemming from our conversation today. I'll let Lori and Representative Jones take it away from here. Joining me on the program today are two ladies I recently met in New Mexico when I spoke there on public lands, the Antiquities Act, and other conservation-related topics for a keynote I delivered at the Rio Grande Foundation last month. I have Representative Jennifer Jones and Lori Coleman to talk today about a potential national monument. It's not yet official, but a potential national monument, Mimbris Peaks National Monument, if it were to go through that they are both concerned about. Uh, Representative Jones lives in the district and Lori's business, which she'll go into, would be affected by such a designation. So ladies, thank you so much for joining the podcast and good to catch up with you. Thank you, Gabby. Why don't you both introduce yourselves and then explain kind of your concerns with this potential would-be monument? What, what What do you have to lose? Would you like for me to go first? Yes. Okay. Well, my name is Jennifer Jones, and I'm a state representative in this southwest area of New Mexico. I um, includes a large rural uh, district with a lot of remote lands. Here in the Luna County, um, there's been the recent monument proposal that was my concern. That was um, it was a surprise to most people, including all local and state elected officials. Um, outsiders have proposed the monument, and that uh, it was a big surprise. There was no public input before this went um, across the country as a um, a media launch, which uh, includes many untruths and a lot of uh, information that that no one here knew about ahead of time. It was really promoted from outsiders. So my concern is. Um, is that a large areas of our mountains here in Luna County, well, all of our mountain ranges actually would be included in this, this uh, potential monument and that we would lose access. We're an agricultural community. A lot of ranchers have an interest and um, a large part of our economic um, income is, is from ranching and it has to do with people who live off the land. So that's um, primarily, those are my concerns. Lori, could you explain what your concerns are and how this would jeopardize you and your business? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a small miner on um, BLM land in Luna County, and I disturb less than an acre a year of land. And a designation of a monument in um, the Little Florida Mountain in Luna County would not allow me to be able to take equipment in to mine. And that would, that's where I source my rock. So that, you know, over a short period of time, that would put me out of business. And, and what do you and your company mine for? We mine something called a thunder egg, which is um, similar to a geode that comes out of uh, Mexico. They're full of agate, um, opal. They're formed in a rhyolitic lava flow, which they have there in the little Florida mountain. And we have some of the best in the world. I was reading into the potential monument designation when you both were telling me about it. And also um, the president of the organization that brought me out was telling me about this as well. So it's 
245,000 acres potentially, largely on BLM land. And it's being invoked, obviously, it would be invoked by the Antiquities Act of 1906, which is a tool that this administration has been using under their 30 by 30 proposal to what they bill as protect and conserve, you know, 30% of waters and lands by 2030. Um, Are there any antiquities that would actually be protected? Because when we, we talk about this topic here on the podcast very often, I've visited several of the controversial monuments in Utah and in Arizona. And when I'm learning about this topic more, I, I want to know what exactly antiquities wise is being preserved because that's what should be protected under these stipulations of the law. And and what I've seen with other similar designations, it's not really much of antiquities. It's everything, including a little bit of antiquities. So what ladies would be protected antiquities wise, or are there not much of antiquities in this particular land tract? You know, Gabriella, we, we do have, we do have some small areas I can think of that are included in in these the 245,000 acres but they're they're uh, they're they are actual you know very small um there's one uh, petroglyphs uh that are is in Cook's range that that's something that comes to mind um it's remote and it's it's very hard to access i i have a hard time imagining um what it would take to even provide access to the public for that particular area but the Majority of the 245,000 acres are mountain ranges. They are not, um, it's not a particular place where, you know, you, you would traditionally think that Antiquities Act is, uh, is appropriate for. And so that's, it's one of the things we, we went over in a meeting we had last week. There's so much public concern. There's really a backlash against this effort. And we did look at the maps and you can see that it's just it's our mountain ranges and a lot of the area around that uh, it, that's included and it's it looks like a land grab we'll just have to be honest with you Lori, do you agree with that assessment that this would be a land grab and not something that actually protects antiquities because environmentalists love to say that this is for conservation purposes and i agree with in principle you know protect antiquities where it's needed that's what the law says um but to me this seems like a conflation of everything is antiquities, which is not if we're interpreting the law. And then they use that stipulation or or this broad generalization that everything is antiquity or they don't define an antiquity and say that this needs to be protected um, to keep people like you off of public lands for multiple uses because we have under the Bureau of Land Management, we have FLIPMA, uh, which says that there can be multiple uses where appropriate on federal lands. And so you think that this potentially could be used to remove stakeholders like you from the landscape, further disengage you, and then also make it harder for you to want to partner with the BLM where you have to work with them. Absolutely. And and Jennifer's correct. Um, there are not that many areas in this 243,000 acre land grab that actually have antiquity areas on them. As a miner, I'm subjected to passing an inspection by seven different state agencies. And one of the things that are done before I break ground is an archaeological study has to be done. And if there's an area that I'm in and they have already documented that there are archaeological finds, then I'm not allowed by section, township, and range to be anywhere near that area. So these areas are already protected by our New Mexico Mining and Minerals Division 
and the BLM. So coming in and doing a blanket land grab to say they're going to be protecting antiquities, I, I find it ludicrous. This is where a lot of people have called into question, where should the antiquities go? And, and recently, actually, kind of around the same time, you guys have started to up the ante in terms of exposure of this potential would-be monument. Again, not yet finalized, but potentially could be on the docket next year, or this year, rather, in 2024. People are worried that this law is being abused. The Congressional Western Caucus had actually solicited the Supreme Court to weigh in on this. And the Supreme Court Justice, Chief Justice Roberts, said in 2021 that eventually Congress will have to clarify the different aspects of the law, what type of power the president has, because he can only designate something that is scientifically, historically, and culturally antiquities in the smallest area compatible. And we don't know what that is. Is it a million acres? Is it hundreds of thousands of acres, 10,000 acres? So This is going to become an avalanche of an issue because Congress has really shirked their duties here. The president, usually under Democratic administrations, has abused their power and not had their powers clarified. And um, and, and with that context in mind, I think you had told me, and you both alluded to this, that there are a lot of outside forces, um, not necessarily out-of-state forces, but out-of-county forces, trying to force this monument onto your county, into your cities, into your towns, What does that look like? I think you alluded to, Jennifer, to me, um, that the congressional delegation of New Mexico was also trying to insist on this as well. Yes, it's it's really amazing to me because we live, our area of the state is right on the Mexican border. We are so remote from Santa Fe, from Washington, D.C. To get anything done or to have our voice heard, we have to be uh, we we just have to really be outspoken, and so usually we are ignored. But in this in this particular case, we have um, the congressional delegation calling our mayor and city council people to tell them that they should not vote on a resolution against the monument. This actually happened last week um, to pressure them not to vote on a, a resolution against the monument because. They, in their words, they didn't have all the information. They need to come down here and talk to us first. Of course, the proposal went out with anybody without anyone's knowledge of of what was actually happening. So it's difficult to it's difficult to trust people who will, um, you know, propose something with your land, uh, your county, without even telling you, and then, you know, say that you 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 need to depend on them. To tell to tell you the truth, so this this happened just last week, and we also had uh, some very influential state legislators, a state senator and a state representative, sitting in the city council meeting. Um, so a lot of pressure on our local officials, um, but the people are very much against this. Um, I've seen a greater turnout at meetings than I've ever seen for any other topic, any other issue in the county. So. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what what lies ahead. I think that uh, there's going to continue to be a real strong voice against it, and we'll see how our our city officials and county officials uh, hold up to the pressure from Washington. Lori, how do other business owners and stakeholders that would be affected by this, like yourself, how do they feel about these people coming from the outside, even though they they may reside in New Mexico, but they have no proximity to what this designation would incur? Um, what have others said in terms of the secretive nature, the forceful kind of 
gaslighting that you see from some in your congressional delegation? What have what have some of the other locals said about this? Well, the as a whole, the community just felt so blindsided and, and just stabbed in the back at this press conference of all places at Rockhound State Park, which we hold sacred in Luna County, um, for for a delegation of, of people to come out with a logo and signage. And, and we had ranchers there. We had farmers there. Um, I was there as a small miner. None of us knew anything about it. So it's a very, to me, it's a very emotional topic. I mean, th- this is our livelihood. Um, how can how can they know us? Um, kudos to Jennifer and and uh, Miss Diamond. They showed up to the press conference, and and Jennifer's the only person that's held a meeting. Um, to listen to our concerns and and take them to heart because, it, like I said, it it's going to affect our business. What other activities would be impacted by the designation, Jennifer? I think you told me that a hunter who recreates on public land in New Mexico visited your meeting recently or was supposed to speak. Are there implications regarding that? Because in similar designations, oftentimes hunting and fishing as management tools are not respected under monument designations. That's very common. It's not a symptom. Sometimes it's it's a common occurrence um, in terms of observing, you know, what these look like. Sometimes you get assurances for that. Sometimes it doesn't assuage concerns, of course, but oftentimes, unless you force it, um, these management decisions are not often respected. So what else besides grazing, mining would potentially be impacted by this? Yes, there was a sportsman who uh, who reached out to me when he heard about this potential monument because he has hunted in our mountains for quite some time. And he's also hunted in the Oregon Mountains, which 10 years ago were designated as a monument. So he has experience with losing access and um, not that not that it's illegal to hunt in these areas, but you you can't ride in on an ATV, and uh, in some of the areas, I should say. He pointed out that when the Oregon Mountain proposal was made, and this is just right next door to us, and in fact, part of that monument, so called monument, which is huge expanse of land, is is in our county. It, it it's on the eastern edge of our county, but. At any rate, um, he pointed out that that proposal, when it went off to Washington, D.C., to Congress, uh, did not include wilderness areas. It was strictly a monument. But when it came back, a lot of that, those acres, as many, many acres were designated wilderness. And because of that, uh, he's unable to access those because he simply can't walk 12 miles at a time or 20 miles at a time and he can't carry out you know what he's hunted um if he can get there and and that would be a real problem we have we actually have here in the florida mountains which is part of this proposal here in luna county we have uh, a, an animal called ibex it's a persian goat that was a re uh, it was it was introduced here from the Middle East back in the 1970s, and it has thrived here. And many, many people come from all over the United States to hunt here in our mountains. So there would be a lot of um, hunters who would lose access because they would have to go into the uh, into the area by foot potentially. And there are there are a, few, a couple of areas here already in the in the wilderness in the um, Floridas that are wilderness. But for the most part, uh, it's not. There are roads through there that can be accessed by hunters and sportsmen. 
that often is the case because they'll throw in a little bit of wilderness. They'll make it impossible sometimes, um, not only to access by OTV, ATV, but even sometimes by foot. Uh, so that's also a concern here because, again, most of the time these designations don't account for access. And, and that would be a travesty because I've heard about your guys' Ibex. It's a beautiful specimen and and people go for elk hunting. I could imagine it would have an impact um, with such a broad brush stroke to make this into a monument. Um, Lori, let's shift gears a little bit. So because locals like you and then people on the ground like you oppose this, what are you hoping that people outside of New Mexico can do to help you draw awareness? What action would you like to see to stop this from potentially happening? Have Have you guys started to organize, submit comments, maybe do a little bit of coordination to have more inquiry into this rather than just it, you know, bypassing stakeholders and then going to President Biden and then he says that he's going to designate it? Well, if you if things are supposed Normally, without this antiquities declaration and going straight to the president, there would be congressional hearings. And that would give the locals and the and the state a, a time to be able to gather our information and present it so that a decision could be made. Whereas in this case, um, it's already been made by a very small group of individuals from outside of our community that this needs to be done, and they just want the president to sign off on it. I'm hoping that um, um, there are, we have other mountain ranges in the state of New Mexico. I'm hoping that this is an alarm to those counties. I'm going to be going before commission um, county commissioners in other counties to just warn them because we just are so blindsided by this. And then we have one commissioner that thinks that this is going to be a huge economic boom for Luna County. I I've looked at that economic impact study. It's done by a company out of Colorado. Um, I've gone to the Dripping Springs Visitor Center in the Oregon Mountains, and, and there were three visitors in one day. To, to make those numbers work, I, I really want to see where they got that information, because right now the lands that they're talking about declaring are already managed by the BLM. And when I spoke with the when I spoke with the lady at the BLM that is actually in charge of coming up with a plan, they're still doing an assessment on the Oregon Mountains. In private business, you can't take 10 years to do an assessment on something and then hope that you can come up with a plan. Um, we, we just need other areas to support us in this, to not allow people to come in and decide that we are going to have a monument. It sounds pretty anti-democratic. And, and what we've seen with these really wide-sweeping monument designations, even those like yours that are potentially in the works, is they sidestep stakeholders and come to a predetermined conclusion. And then, without consulting you or maybe giving you a couple days before they make the announcement, they have these pronouncements and say, okay, we have a monument, the president is doing this, and the localities feel extremely sidestepped. We've seen this time and time again. Utah felt this increasingly, um, and they felt this more recently as well. And then with some of the other designations, I think Chaco Canyon um, being another one in New Mexico, too, a little away from you all. And then there's a couple others. I think they want to designate one in Colorado. That's Ute um, tribe land. And the Ute tribe was very unhappy with that designation as well. So we've seen a lot of people who are not properly consulted, pretty anti-democratic here. And, and this is why, like I said earlier, that conversations about reforming the Antiquities Act are going to become a lot more common and I think both of you and in others who directly felt the wrath of abuses of the law, 
um, can speak to this and, and, and make the case potentially for why Congress has to take action on that. It's long overdue. The Supreme Court said, like I mentioned, this has to have um, some action. So Representative Jones, what would you like to see happen um, as this process is playing out? Like, what would you hope uh, could happen? Are you inviting, you know, perhaps congressional intervention? Would you like members of Congress to consult you? Um, what would you say to others who may be dealing with these type of potential designations outside of New Mexico? Well, I have to I have to speak to what you just said a moment ago about uh, my my at the very root of my concern was the way we the way they sidestepped representative government. Um, how can you how can you come in from Washington D.C. and propose something without even consulting local you know city county state officials? about what the people there who are their constituents would want to happen to their land. It is so anti-democratic, like you said, and um, the people here are very much against that. We can see how the independent nature of uh, uh, and the, and the freedom-loving uh, folks that live here in our county, they are not going for that at all. So what would I like to see? I, I have already had an outpouring of, uh, of support um, we're, we are getting ourselves organized. Um, we have a, a large group of folks uh, that are in, in communication with each other. There have been a couple of petitions that are going out, one recently from the Farm Bureau. It is uh, a letter to President directly to President Biden, which we're sending out to have people sign in opposition to the monument. Um, we also are going to team up with some folks from just north of us where there's there's also a, an effort by environmentalists to take control of the land and reduce access, um, multi-use access. So we have a lot going on. We, there's a, a lot of organizing, uh, a lot of education because um, what comes to mind too is saying that uh, people who are partially informed are easily manipulated and we're not going to go for that. We're going to get ourselves educated. We're going to know all sides and, and we're going to, um, with respect, respectfully educate others who may have been deceived by people who have come in and, and just absolutely told them lies because there are a lot of lies out there. If you look up members peaks, national monument designation or national monument proposal, you will see, like Lori said, uh, a very professional website that claims that all of us here are just in favor of this monument, which is absolutely not true. It is lie upon lie. And uh, so we were just, we're teaming up to fight against it. Lori, where would you recommend my listeners go to learn more about your efforts to call for more assurances and questions into this potential proposal? Well, um, as Jennifer mentioned, there are two right now that I know of um, petitions that are out there. One of them is being put out by the New Mexico Farm and Livestock Bureau. And you can get on their website and it allows you to put your information in. It's called Voter Voice. It's a program called Voter Voice. Um, and you can fill out your information and submit your thoughts. And it goes directly to um, our representatives in Washington. And then also um, there's a group of ranchers that have done a... Um, a petition on, oh, what is the name of that site? Jennifer, do you know the name of that site? Um, I, I don't offhand. I'm looking it up. I might be able to find it here. Okay. Um, and you can go on there and sign our petition. And as of this morning, um, Eddie Mesa is the one that um, built that one. As of this morning, we had over 750 signatures, local signatures, um, 
and and you can you can sign that also. Um, we're, and like Jennifer said, we're trying to get organized just to be able to get the word out that we're not for this. Um, oh, here it is. It's on it's on change.org and it's called Stop the Implementation of the National Monument Status in Our Area. And, and you can sign that petition also. Great. We'll include all appropriate links into the show notes for listeners to either research this or take action directly. I want to thank both of you for joining the podcast and we'll continue to monitor the situation. And anytime there are updates that you want to brief me on or the listeners, please know that you are always welcome back on the show. Thank you both for joining to kick us off in 2024. Thank you, Gabriella. Thank you, Gabriella. Yes. And you too, Lori. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people. And I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners. And we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.